All right, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Rees with you here. This is the Tuesday edition of the broadcast, September 24th, 2013, into September 25th, 2013. Thanks for being with us here tonight. We are uh, pre-recording this show. We were not able to broadcast, and that's why I haven't been live. That's why there has been shows recently, because uh, we did not get enough support to pay our stream bill, which was due last week, and uh, we came up $55 short on that. So. Uh, the stream's been off since then because of that. Uh, and we haven't had any help or any support in that time. Nobody asking, you know, not even anybody saying, hey, where's the stream been? Not even one person. It's, it's kind of odd to me. Um, I don't even know why we or how we still have tons of listeners every night if, you know, nobody even cares if it's going or not going. So uh, anyway, that's I just couldn't, you know, I could not do a show anymore. So I decided just to pre-tape one tonight. Uh, for the archives and stuff, and I'll get through a bunch of this news. I, it's just been piling up, and I haven't been able to do a show, so I want to get into that. I want to get into some of this reading again for you tonight here. The Sitchin stuff, Stairway to Heaven. And uh, I just I wanted to be back uh, on air again. I mean, I know it's not live, and people aren't listening live as they normally would right now, but, you know, it makes no difference to me. You're all going to hear it the same way anyway, so. I was on a show last night. I, I did not announce this show, his appearance, on my show or anywhere else. Uh, just in, uh, only did really right before the show started last night. And uh, it's a good, there's a pretty good reason why I didn't reveal this. Because the, the show that I was on is on the GCN radio network. <laughs> so you see, you see where the problem is there. I, uh, you know, they, these guys have had people monitoring my show and stuff for years. And if I would have got up here and said I was going to be on a show on GCN, it wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't ever have happened. They would have found some way to not make it happen. They've done it to me in the past. So there's no reason why they wouldn't do it to me again. I mean, in fact, Ted Anderson the puppet owner of GCN uh, once said to me that, uh, well, he, it was funny at the time. I, at the time, I had never said anything about him on air ever, not even once. Somebody else that was on the network I was on at the time had, and I was asked to sit in to co-host for a week, or not co-host, to, to host, uh, sub-host for someone for a week, uh, on a show that used to air directly after Alex Jones' show on GCN. And uh, right out of the gates, you know, when he, if this person had me on, I was talking about the CMP and everything else. So I was like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is going to be too sweet. This is going to be a chance for me to go on here and, uh, you know, talk about the secret riot and the CMP stuff, you know, on Jones' own network right after his show ends every day for a week. Boy, I was... Cream in my jeans, I tell you what. But of course, uh, it ended up being too good to be true, uh, just like it sounds. But what did come out of it was I got a call, a phone call from uh, Ted Anderson from GCN, who said, uh, "Yeah, I hear you're you're supposed to be uh, sub hosting a show on my network." Right? I said, "Yeah, that's right." For a week, he said, "Uh huh." And I said, "Okay." And he said, "Well, um, we got sort of a problem here." And I said, "Well, what's the problem, Ted?" And he said, "Well." 
Uh, some people on your network have not had said some not too nice things about us, me and our network over here. And I said, okay. Uh, have you have you ever heard me say anything <clears throat> not uh, not nice about you on my show? And he, there was a long pause. And he said, no, no, not yet, but we're looking. I said, oh, well, you keep on looking then there, Ted, because I hadn't said anything about you on your on your show. So what's the problem here? Well, one of your cohorts over there at the network you're on has said some not so nice things about me. I said, okay, what's that got to do with me? And what does that have to do with me doing a favor for someone and someone doing a favor for me in return by me hosting this show? I'm not going to, you know, come on here and, and scream, Ted sucks balls and on GCN sucks. I mean, I've got, I'm not an animal. I have manners. Uh, just like no more than I, I, you know, I went on that show last night, two hours. I didn't say anything about Alex Jones. I only briefly mentioned the Secret Ride films. And um, because I wasn't there to talk about that. She didn't ask me to come on that show to talk about the CMP, the Secret Ride stuff. She asked me to come on the show to talk about the current stuff that I'm into. So there was no need for me to bring that stuff up. I know a lot of immature people out there probably think I should have gone on there and, you know, just gorilla it. But I think that that's, that's not always the right way to go. You know, uh, because that sh- being on that show, it gives uh, me an opportunity to be able to reach a whole completely different audience that obviously has been, you know, c- completely cut off to access from my work for the large part because of the blockade put on me, persona non grata status by Alex Jones and the rest of, and a lot of it's, well, I take that back. You know, I've put a lot of it on myself too. I don't want anything to do with those fucks as much as anybody else does. But uh, anyway, that was the reason why I didn't announce that show. But I did make a YouTube video of it and it is up on uh, my YouTube channel right now. Josh Reeves on the Truth Traveler Radio 92313. It's up on our uh, Facebook page as well, Global Reality Radio sh- uh, Show Facebook page. Fedbook page. And, uh, but it was a good show. I, uh, I thought the host was, um, uh, was, was good. I thought she was good. I thought she uh, asked the right questions. She's hooking me up with Ross Hamilton, who's, uh, the guy, I have all his books. He's done a lot of stuff on the Servant Mound and stuff. Um, but, uh, anyway, this is our six-year anniversary week this week, folks, and one of the biggest weeks, uh, for us in a long time, and, and, and not being able to broadcast the past uh, I guess a lot of last week and into this week has has put us behind and is hurting us. So um, we, you know, we really have to rally the troops right now. We've got our uh, BC on TV launch global reality six year anniversary fundraiser Indiegogo campaign. It's only got a few days left, and uh, we need a uh, substantial amount of our goal. We've only raised one hundred forty six dollars of our fifteen hundred dollar goal. Keep in mind, this amount represents everything we need to cover all the operating costs. Uh, except for the stream bill we'll have again due uh, in the middle of of next month. So this will put us um, in the range to be able to do everything we need to do right now for the next month. I've got my live appearance in Houston coming up this Sunday, 2 o'clock Central Standard Time, Houston, Texas, Houston Southwest Ballroom. I'll I'll be there uh, doing my live presentation. But um, right now we're hanging by a thread, and we've got to cover the operating costs. We've got to have uh, a minimum of uh, 600 to cover the operating costs no later than uh, 
Tuesday. Um, so this is uh, officially the start of our fundraising campaigns right now. But anyway, we have $146 raised, only $146 raised of our $1,500 goal. There's 70 hours left. We have a bunch of good packages, $50 perk level, gets you three months radio archive access and one-year Museon TV membership. $100 level two gets you a year archive radio access, one-year Museon TV membership. Level three, $500, one radio archive, one-year uh, radio archive access, one-year Museon TV membership. Personal video message or Skype video chat, your choice with Josh Reeve. Signed copy of Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 1 and a free download of Volume 2 once it's done. $1,000 level, our most uh, extravagant perk yet, lifetime radio archive access, lifetime Museon TV membership, personal video message or Skype chat, your choice with Josh Reeves. Signed copy of Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 1, free download of Volume 2 once it's done, and a rare collection of gems, minerals, hand-selected by Josh and your name in the credits of the Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 2. Um, we also uh, only need $1,500 left to go for uh, the Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 2. We are uh, tentatively, right now we've got it set aside. My, my buddy has, got, has been able to do it, so um, I've got my uh, compadre ready to rock. We're looking at the uh, second week in October uh, to go shoot the rest of what we need so we can stay on track to get the film out before the History Channel airs their whitewash in November. And the problem with this is, um, for some goddamn strange reason, again, you know, everything, there's always these strange coincidences, and they're always supposed to be coincidences, I just don't think they are. For some strange reason, there is no hard data, date, time schedule for Sweeps Week in November. And, you know, Sweeps Week for the ratings is always the biggest thing, and they're going to air this Rockwall uh, America on Earth thing during Sweeps Week in November. And I went and looked, and you know, normally they always post ahead of time, well ahead of time, when Sweeps Week is going to be. For this one that's, is, that's coming up, you know, in November, it said it has not been determined yet, has not been announced yet. Almost like they're keeping it a secret from me, like they don't want me to know. You know, like, almost like they're keeping it a secret so that nobody will find that out. I mean, we know that's when they're going to do it, but we don't know exactly when that's going to be yet. But, I mean, really, if you look at this, folks, we've got, uh, you know, we can launch a TV network, continue a radio network that's already going, get me out to our presentation that's happening this Sunday in Houston, and fund the rest of the Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 2, to keep the History Channel from making this a, just a complete pushover. And that can all be done for a measly three grand, folks, total. So please go to my website, contribute in any way you can right now, any amount, large or small. This is our six-year anniversary, anniversary fundraiser. We'd like to see some gifts this week. If you haven't donated in a while or you never have or it's you, know, you have donated in the past and you haven't in a while, look, I'm not asking you to donate the rest of the year. I'm, I'm talking specifically to the people who haven't donated in a while um, or haven't donated a large amount in, the, in a while but have in the past. I'm talking specifically to those people now. Look, you don't have to donate again for another year if you don't want to, but right now we need it more than we ever have. 
and we're on the cusp. We're on the brink. I mean, my God, I, I'm jumping the gun on talking about this, but I'm too excited to even talk about it. They, they've got analysis back now from, uh, from five, five different labs on the uh, material that the Bosnian pyramids are made out of. And lo and fucking behold, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? Geopolymers. <laughs> oh, that's a game changer. That is a motherfucking game changer. It is made out of an unknown geopolymer substance that would have taken advanced engineering skills, and that has been what the uh, it's been determined beyond any shadow of a doubt. That's what the Bosnian pyramids are made out of, just like we find at the rock wall. Supposedly, Dr. Sam Osmanovich, who, uh, who who found these things and does this work, supposedly he's supposed to be coming to this thing someday. I, that's what they said. Um, I have a feeling he probably won't, but that's what they said. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't heard anything else about it, but they said they, that they were going to fly him in. We'll see what happens. Maybe they're trying to surprise me or something. Either way, uh, this is huge. And um, it, the, this group that's having me out in Houston has had him out as well. So it's a very synchronistic, meant-to-be thing. It's really just serendipitous that, you know, I'm getting hooked up with this group and going to be doing a presentation for them in Houston. And, uh, you know, they've already brought him there. They're bringing me there now. And the two of us, you know, who don't know each other from Adam, have been working in, in individually on these and just really, we've both kind of, uh, Dr. Sam and me have both, you know, dedicated our, our complete selves to these projects. And um, my God, we're finding both the finding similar things. You know, they found piezoelectrical energy stuff at the, at the Bosnian pyramids as well. There's absolutely a, a connection between these two things, and uh, I can't wait to have a meeting of the minds with this guy uh, and us us pool our data. I mean, can you imagine? Whew. But we are uh, we are at a critical stage right now, folks. We are at a critical stage where we can really do some damage, and it doesn't take a lot of funds. It would just what, it, what really hurts more than anything is people thinking that, you know, whatever amount they put in can't help because it seems like, you know, $3,000 seems like an insurmountable goal or $1,500, you know, to finish a film seems like an insurmountable goal. And, and so, but that's the thing. Again, doing nothing is what is the problem. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't have a lot to spare. It just matters that you just, whatever you can spare and whatever what everyone out there can spare, they put forward. We have a P.O. Box, too, if you want to mail a check or something. It's the address is up there at my website. But, um, yeah, we've got to have some, some help in here. ASAP, folks, this week. Uh, this is our six-year anniversary fundraiser. Please, I'm asking those who haven't donated in a while, those that can, to help us here on our six-year anniversary as a gift to us, as a birthday gift for our Mike, I mean, look, I've, I don't know how to put this. I put this out to you a million times. I don't know how many more ways I have to say it. I mean, my literally, I, I have, this is my life. I gave up everything in my life and gave up all the, you know, I could have had lived the cushy life a long time ago, and I gave all of that up to dedicate myself to this. I don't have anything left. This is the truth. I don't have anything else left to sacrifice. I have sacrificed and giving up everything I have that I can at this point. I have nothing left. And I'm damn near a shell of a person because of it.
we are standing here on the precipice of being able to actually make a difference and actually keep these bastards from doing the things that you and me and a lot of other people have been bitching and pissing and moaning about for years. And I'm sitting over here with a fully cocked and locked double barrel shit weapon aimed at these motherfuckers. But I need the money to buy the ammo to put in it. Because you can have a weapon against them all day long, but if you don't have the ammo to put in it, you're fucked. So please go to theglobalreality.com, folks, and contribute anything you can right now. Between now and Saturday uh, is really uh, the most crucial time. We, we really need to reach our goal. We have $1,500 left on our Museum TV launch, Global Reality, six-year anniversary fundraiser, 70 hours left, only $146 raise. We've got so many great perks there. Please go there and get yourself one, man. If somebody comes in with that, hey, listen, if, you, if you're going to come in at the, if anybody out there is going to come in at the $1,000 level four, I mean, if you don't see something on that list that you think you want, speak up about it. You know, or say, hey, if you throw this in, you know, can you throw this in? I'll tell you if I can or I can't, you know, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I'm negotiable. So please go there and uh, do what you can immediately, folks. we got to have the support right now, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Let's get on to the news. Developer destruction of pre-Inca pyramid goes unpunished. Imagine that. <clears throat> now, what's interesting about this is that we talked about this when it happened, this uh, Peruvian 45-hectare complex. And this was, they, they, have, they now have confirmed absolutely that this was a mound. They call it, a, 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 again, a pre-Inca pyramid. But it, again, in any country besides the United States, they call them pyramids. We don't call them pyramids in the United States because call, if you tell people there are pyramids in America, they're going to be very interested in that. This is why you don't hear about Cahokia in your textbooks in school. That's why they don't tell you there are pyramids in, in the United States. I mean, my God, we should have all been going to field trips. Think about the lame fucking field trips you had to go to when you were in school. Wouldn't you have rather gone and seen a pyramid in middle America, you know, in the middle of America that's bigger than the Great Pyramid at Giza? I mean, I, that would have excited the shit out of me when I was a kid. I would have been like, fuck it, let's go. I want to see that shit. But see, because we call them mounds, mounds makes a, a connotation in people's minds that these are always, in every single case, Burial mounds where Native Americans buried their dead. That's what most people believe all mounds are. That's the end of story. And it's such, you see how a per, what a perpetrated lie it is. And uh, the heavy machinery destroyed one of the 11 archaeological mounds registered on this site. And the key here, the key operative term about this, and the key reason this is important, pre-Incan pyramid. Now, to sum it up for you short and sweetly, when you look at a site like Machu Picchu or um, what's the other one? Uh, 
you know, the, I can't remember all the names of all those sites. There's Saxy Woman and Saxy Woman. Uh, if fucking David have your children, every time he says Saxy Woman, it sounds like he's saying Sexy Woman. This fucking shit is too funny. Um, but there's the other one with the inner, with the very tightly interlocked uh, blocks and breaks and all that. Anyway, the those are credited to the Incas, but the Incas even claimed that they were there before the Incas ever came along. So the same people that built those massive, uh, crazy engineered structures built these as well. So we have a precedent here set. And this is the connection I've been trying to get people to see with the Lost Secrets of Ancient America Volume 1 and all the rest of the stuff I've put out is that there absolutely is a connection between these mounds or pyramids, as they call them, these mound sites. There absolutely is a connection between the builders of those and the builders of these stone monuments that we find, like, for instance, the, the rock wall. And uh, what the fuck just happened? Hold on a second. All right, my bad. I knocked something off my fucking desk and pulled my headphone jack out. But um, so there's a. Th this is something I've been trying to show people, and I don't think people have been getting it. And this is exactly the reason why this developer didn't get in any trouble, wasn't punished at all and destroyed an ancient mound pyramid that was built by these pre-Incan people who built these massive stone monuments that were earthquake-proof and used all sorts of advanced engineering skills. There was an absolute connection between these, these people, and that's what I'm trying to show with the connection between uh, stuff like the Serpent Mound and all the other mound sites and, and ancient sites in the United States along with the Rock Wall. And that's what this that's what this proves and shows beyond any shadow of doubt. So of course they would go out of their way to destroy the evidence of that. Because again, if people see that and they see, oh, these pre-Incans were the same people that built these massive stone structures in Peru, right, where this pyramid is. These were the pre-Incans, that's who's associated with building this stuff. So when people start to see, oh, there's tons of mounds in the United States. But the only thing we've ever found in the United States that resembles this advanced engineering with these stone working, like the stuff that's like found that's in, in found in Peru, is the rock wall in Rockwell, Texas. So absolutely, if there's a connection to that, there's got to be a connection to those two as well. That's what I've been trying to show people. Even though these these a lot of these buildings are separated by immense amounts of time, and certainly the rock wall is older than all the rest of them, because we're talking about the only existing evidence of a pre-flood structure that's ever been found that we know of up to this point. And that's what the rock wall is. And that's why they're so scared of it. Finnish archaeologist digs up ancient civilization in Brazil. The clearing of an Amazon rainforest has revealed mysterious patterns in the earth. The large-scale patterns are best visible from the air where Finnish archaeologist Marth Possenen takes pictures of them. The geometrical patterns have been made with earth mounds and moats. There again, geometrical patterns with, with mounds in an ancient civilization that has entirely new forms of ceramics, which they've never, at this point, ever identified. And if you don't know, um, uh, if, if you're not an archaeological uh, buff like I am, 
uh, one of the key things, uh, the uh, key earmarks in archaeology is pottery. Because every civilization uh, going back is in every civilization, well, that they've ever found. They have found distinctive different types of, of pottery. Well, and that's one of the things they can identify. If they find certain pottery in certain areas, they know that that's similar to this. For instance, what was interesting out there at uh, Chaco Canyon in New Mexico is they have found pottery from all over the goddamn place. They've also found evidence of every kind of, of religion known to man at that place. And uh, I saw pottery shards out there. People, they would come as part of like the religious ceremonies. They would come and bring, you know, from miles around and bring pots, pottery stuff and break them. And that shit's just laying around out there. I mean, it's literally just laying there. And, uh, you know, it's against the law to take anything. But, I mean, shit, if you really wanted to, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, I, I'm not kidding you. I picked up, I picked up a fucking piece of sh- a pottery shard that looked to me like it was probably about 2,000 years old. It looked like some fucking... And all I could do was take a picture of it and, you know, put it back down. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. So here, they have identified in Brazil in this ancient civilization, in these mounds that, again, uh, have been... Uh, it's interesting, the mounds that they've dug out here in this rainforest were made of geometrical patterns. And we see a lot of these geometrical patterns, like the Serp Mounds one, but there are other... Uh, I mean, type animal effigy mounds, you know, United States, into Google and see what you find. There's tons of some in Ohio, in, uh, I think there's some in Ohio. There's a, there's a spider one. There's one in o- Iowa. There's a spider. There's a bird. There's a b- bunch of different ones. But here they found a distinct type of ceramics and pottery they've never found anywhere else on Earth. And... Uh, you know, once people, that, that's another important thing about the Lost Secrets of Ancient America, especially Volume 2, it's going to be leaps and bounds over Volume 1. And the most important thing about this is, is that what we're doing here is we're showing people who are, you know, people like this that are doing these archaeological digs and what they're finding. By putting this out there into the world, into the archaeological world, and out there for people to find, we're giving people the ability to be able to see what all this means and what it really means and why it's important and why it all connects. Because all over the world right now, evidence that backs up 100% what I have found and what I talk about in Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 1, is being found in spades all over the world. But again, it seems that there is great effort going on right now and a lot of effort being put on to, to, to find things. And I think the people that are doing the actual work and digging and archaeological things have no fucking clue the importance or the meaning of what they're digging and looking for. You know, especially if you're, a, a, you know, a professor at a university or you have students and, the, you know, you get a grant, you get a big amount of money from the, um, from the school to take your students out to, you know, conduct this archaeological. They think you're just go- going out to do it for, they're going out to do it for their college credits or whatever. And little do they know they're doing this on behalf of a college who is doing it on behalf of big money interests who are using the universities, which, by the way, don't forget, the secret society structure in America was set up directly through the university structure in the United States. It's a fact. So these guys are able to get 
key important places that they know archaeological things exist at that are relevant to whatever it is they're looking for, whether that be the Ark of the Covenant or, you know, crystal skulls, whatever it may be. But there's, I mean, you know, we may not know exactly what it is they're looking for, but they are definitely looking for stuff. The antiquities acquisition stuff all over the world is very important. And again, the people that go out and conduct these things, they have no idea why these, for the most part, why these places were selected. They think it was just, oh, well, you know, this group found this there and we're going to do it. No, they found it because they're looking for certain things. And these big money interests that want to get their hands on these uh, relics and whatever have you do so by, you know, through the manipulation and basically the smokescreen of the universities. Because they can donate money to these universities and keep it off, you know, off the record, keep it from being in public. And then, uh, you know, because they put up the money for it to have to have it, they sign all that away when they do the archaeological digs. That's why I would never do an archaeological dig for a university. If a big university came to said to me and we said, you know, we want to give you X amount of money to, to do a dig, I'd say, well, okay, uh, but we're going to do it like this. And I'd have a contract on this is how it's going to be. Anything I find, I get to keep, and it doesn't go to the university. And then they're going to say, uh, nope, sorry, that's not how it works. And I'm going to say, well, sorry. I'm not fucking doing a dig for you. Kiss my ass. Do it yourself. And I'm not going to tell you where the best place to go dig at either, even though I know the best places to go dig at. I found all the good spots, by the way. Uh, and just like everything else, you know, what's the answer to 99 out of 100 questions? Money. I mean, that's all we need at this point. But, yeah, I have located all the key cherry spots to go dig at in Rockwell. And I have located some property for sale, but... Uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to be able to come up with seven hundred fifty large, you know, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to buy a fucking piece of property that has two mounds and part of the rock wall on it. Would be awesome though. It'd probably be the archaeological dig of the fucking century. That's for goddamn sure. But nobody's going to pony up seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for the archaeological dig of the century, even if they had it. Not at this stage in the game. Odd tale of headless Norsemen and slaves buried with the rich. Now, it's interesting because these, these, these Norse and Viking guys, you know, I've, I've already told you and attributed those guys to being, uh, you know, Amorite descent. They're certainly the part of Norway and uh, in parts where the, the Viking stuff came from were, were parts, if you watch Lost Secrets of Ancient America Volume 1, towards the end, you'll see the, the migratory patterns of the Amorites where they went to. And, of course, these Vikings and stuff were uh, descended from the Amorites. So it's interesting now in this article, USA Today, by the way, Headless Norsemen and, and slaves buried with the rich. And that's very interesting because, uh, again, again, proving the connection to these Amorites who also connect back to the, uh, to the Anunnaki, the Nephilim, all that stuff. And it's interesting that they would be buried with their slaves because this is exactly what was found um, in the Sumerian tombs that relate to I mean, this blew me away. You know, it, it, one of the things when I started researching this was to find out. I mean, another thing you never hear about on TV or History Channel or, you know, uh, history books in school. I mean, the fact that, you know, everybody, when they hear of the term Anunnaki, they just automatically think of, you know, Zachariah Sitchin and his horse shit. But, uh, I mean, we actually have found Anunnaki graves, real actual Anunnaki graves in ancient Iraq. In, in Iraq, they're there. And every time they open one of these up and they find one, they, you know, they always have their servants and their slaves and stuff buried with them. Because that, that was the tradition of the gods 
they bury the reason they bury these with them is they believe that they would serve them in 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 the next level of reality they were entering into after death. Definitely goes to show you that they actually were on. They were definitely everybody just thinks, oh, that's just silly, you know. Ha ha ha! They killed them so they would, you know, serve them after death. Ha ha! There is no after death. That's just funny. No, they were. I think they were onto something more than uh, that we give them credit for. But again. It just shows the connection to the Norse and, and the Vikings and stuff with the Amorites here by the uh, uh, the burial traditions, slaves bearing with them. That's that's a key that's a key uh, hallmark of of those Amorites. Let's see what else we have. Uh, anybody out there have an iPhone or uh, an iDevice, iPad, iPhone, anything like that? Uh, how many of you suckers upgraded to iPhone uh, the iOS seven immediately? Anybody? Probably a lot of you. Yeah, fuck that shit. If I wanted a fucking Android device, I'd buy a fucking Android. That is the ugliest looking shit. It looks just like Android. It's, I mean, the, the numbers, the text look the same. They've taken away all the icons, look terrible. Uh, the battery, it sucks. The, the battery life sucks now. They use a physics and graphics engine that's used out of a video game to make this thing. They put phone, uh, they're, they're putting uh, uh, thumb scanners on their new iPhones, which have already been hacked with a titty. I'm not shitting you, man. You can't make this kind of stuff up. They're, you know, they claim this is like the most sophisticated thumb scanner security encryption ever. I, I, you know, uh, Apple iPhone 5 C, D, E, F, G, element O, P model, whatever they've got out now. And uh, (laughs) over the past couple of days, people have been showing how easy it is to hack this thing. And the newest one that came out is this bitch hacked it with a titty. It's like, like pulled nipple out and fucking put titty on the fucking, on the scanner. And it went, you know, opened right up. It's just ridiculous. But uh, it's pretty clear when you, whenever you see a radical redesign in OS, they did this when they went from Windows. uh, Remember when they went from like Windows 98 to Windows 2000? And you had a big shift in look of the operating system. Well, the reason you had a big shift in the look of the operating system at that point is because when they went from Windows 98 to Windows 2000, uh, every operating system that Microsoft has produced since Windows 2000 has had NSA backdoors installed directly in it. So every operating system you've worked on since Windows 2000 has been a direct line to the NSA. Now, why wasn't this uh, brought up 13 years ago. People knew about it 13 years ago. It wasn't a secret. See, this is why this whole, all this stuff we're supposed to get mad about now. Oh, we're supposed to be mad now because they tell us to be mad about wiretapping. And, you know, they have been fucking monitoring everything you've been doing on the Internet since fucking day one. You got on it. You dumb gits. You got to have the I don't give a fuck attitude of these or they win. Who cares if they look at your shit? I don't give a fuck what. You gonna? Uh, they gonna know fucking what what porn sites I go look at and what hand I jerk off with? Great. I hope you have fun with that information. I'm glad. I mean, I don't know what what good it's gonna do you in the long run. My point is, you know, I get. I have heard people before. Oh, I don't use PayPal. And I don't. I don't do this or that. Oh, they they monitor everything. I don't want them to see that they they monitor websites, and I don't want them to see I donate to this website or something. They've been monitoring every goddamn thing you do. For years. But now they've changed the, the iOS 7 completely 
And all of a sudden, the New York Police Department starts handing out flyers urging people to upgrade their devices to iOS 7 because it's quote-unquote safer. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The NYPD can kiss my white honky ass because, number one, as a documentary filmmaker and and a filmmaker, period, if I were to go to New York and point a camera for more than five seconds on the street, an NYPD cop would come up to me and probably break my camera or take it away. That's the way they do people up there. And the only reason they'd be handing out stuff saying, change to iOS 7, it's safer, NYPD handing out flyers. No, they're not on the Apple payroll. Take. They're doing this because their superiors and their bosses told them to do it because iOS 7 absolutely... Here's okay. Let me explain this. Here's been the here's been why you've had a difference in Apple and PC stuff and Windows stuff up until now, up until the end of the Gates era. I'm, I'm sorry, the not the Gates era, the uh, the Jobs era. And ever since uh, Steve Jobs died, they have done everything in their power, and are doing everything in their power to tank the company because the people who run Apple now have been bought out by the competition. So everything they do now is designed to be shit. And here's here's what people for years, for the most part, haven't ever really known about what the difference is between Mac and PC. Now, the difference obviously is the software, the operating system, and the hardware. Apple comes out with a, a, a specific set of hardware each year. Uh, every model's different, and they have different setups, but all the software is made to run on those specific chipsets and models that come out in their computers each year. So what that gives you is it gives you optimized software and, and stuff that runs so much better because it's optimized to run on that specific hardware, whereas Windows, you just have an, uh, you know, a generic operating system that's designed to run on a billion different types of chipsets and a billion different types of computers, and it's just blanket across. It's not as, as specialized. But... The other main thing for years has always been a a much larger moniker of uh, privacy. A much larger, supposedly, that's been the whole thing for years is that if you had, that's why Macs, for the most part, never get viruses that that often. And supposedly this is why you you have to pay a premium for Apple products is, is because for years, Apple products were the only... Uh, software that they did not have back doors into and that they couldn't spy on you. It's a fact, and I'll tell you how I know this. It's also a big fact because about, oh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, from year 2000 till 2002, I worked for a major software company, and uh, I worked in the Mac department. And it was in this big uh, building with a bunch of cubicles and a bunch of different accounts, you know, for different different computer companies and stuff. And if you were on a PC, I was on PCs at first. If you were on a PC, they monitored everything that you did. And and, and uh, I remember one time uh, a friend of mine I had like an instant messenger thing on, and a friend of mine had, was having an emergency, and she sent me these messages, and they called me in the office like 15 minutes later, and they had complete printouts of everything I you know had talked about and stuff. And they told me not to do it again. It wasn't any big deal. But when I started to work on the on the Macintosh account, uh, they said, "Oh, by the way, uh, we because of we can't cross platform monitor." Uh, we don't have the ability to see what you're doing on on the Mac stuff. So I was able to fucking do whatever, and they couldn't see it. And that's been what, really, whether you've known it or not, 
and whether the people, all the people who buy Macs or not have known this, that's, all, that's been what the premium has been about up until now. The fucked up thing is now, with iOS 7 and the other new operating systems they've now come out with for the Mac, this is no longer the case. These OSs are as wide open and have as many back doors as any Windows system now, and yet they are still charging the same premium when now it used to be that Macs, the hardware specifically was were IBM saw you know IBM uh, processors and now you can fucking I can install fucking Windows on 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 my Mac and run it on there or vice versa because now it's all Intel chipsets and you know the, there's really no difference in the hardware at all anymore between Macs and PCs now it's different when it comes to phones and mobile processors all the companies have their own. Uh, individual mobile processors, like, for instance, Apple has their own uh, processors, that internal processors that they make and design for their phones. But, uh, yeah, this this is uh, basically everything that Steve Jobs said he did not want to do for the company, they've made sure they've done after he died. I, I, that, that's a pretty good sign. He didn't want a mini, he didn't want an iPad mini, he said it was redundant and pointless because you already, you know you already have a fucking phone that's one size you already have a goddamn ipad that's one size why do you need one in the middle it's retarded it is retarded but they did it anyway um the uh the design of the operating system the way it is now all of that but of course again if the powers that be are suggesting you upgrade to it now go look at all the fucking cons pros and cons of it it's just to me, it just looks like shit. It's got a pastel color, and you can't change that or anything else. You're stuck with this, like, gay-looking pastel-colored shit. They're, they're trying to kill the company or at least bring it down uh, to a level where these sort of built-in premiums that you got in the jobs era, you're not getting anymore. So really, the Mac thing, besides the fact that, for me, I have to use a Mac to make films. If you don't make films on a Mac, you're not going to get it to look like a film. I, believe me, I've, I've tried, it's, it, and it sucks ass. But other than that, uh, you know, graphic stuff, video editing, pictures, camera stuff, other than that now, there's absolutely uh, zero difference and really no, re- no justification for the, uh, the price points any, uh, difference anymore. Now, a lot of people say, oh, there never was. Well, actually, no, you're wrong. There was. Um, that's what I'm trying to tell you. But not anymore. Now that's 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 long gone and over with. So don't think anymore, you Mac elitists out there. And I own Mac products, but I'm not a Mac elitist. I still use PCs too. I got both. I think it's. I mean, I I, mean, I just use whatever tools I need to use for. That's the way I I approach these things. I do what I can do on PCs, and what I have to do on Mac, I do on Mac. That's just the way it is. But you know, you elitists out there that think that your Mac products are so superior to everybody else's, I'm sorry. Uh, again, I own Mac products too, but I, the the sad reality is, it it's not that way anymore. Your uh, your cult of uh, product worship is now crumbling to the ground because it's a sham of what it used to be. Let's see what else we got here. Scientific evidence proves blocks in Bosnian pyramids were man-made of geopolymer cement. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, it's a game changer. Absolute game changer. 
Independent analysis from five separate institutes of materials confirms that the Bosnian pyramids contain high-quality man-made concrete construction material, eliminating all skeptical claims about the authenticity of the Bosnian pyramids. The controversial site of the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun has a team of over 200 interdisciplinary scientists from all over the world doing scientific analysis on not only the nature and age of the building materials, but also determining how the energy of the pyramid was used by the ancient scientists for applications beneficial to humanity, ranging from geothermal transportation, climatology, and advancements in human physiology and health. And these are all things and, and things that I've considered with the rock wall, too, because I've heard reports of, you know, people who live in, in houses. One of our listeners said that her in-laws uh, live in a house on top of the rock wall, and they visited from Tennessee for a week, and the whole time they were there, she felt euphoric and felt younger, and and uh, just the, even for a week after they left, she just felt different, like rejuvenated. It's very interesting. Results released by the Polytechnic University of Turin, Italy, of chemical and diffractionary laboratory analysis done on sandstone and conglomerate blocks taken from the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun show that the samples are an inert material with a binding similar to that found in ancient Roman concrete. In a separate independent test, Professor Joseph Davidovitz, renowned French scientist, member of the International Association of Egyptologists, and author, confirms this claim. I performed electron microscopic analysis of the sample, and I propose the geopolymer chemistry that was used to make this is ancient concrete. Geopolymer chemistry. Just like we have in the mortar substance found between the rock wall stones. It's a geopolymer mortar made of multiple different types of crystals brought together to create a geopolymer that is waterproof, watertight. You can absolutely put it between blocks, sock them together, and you can have an ocean current up against it, and they will not leak. They will not allow any water to come through it, and they will stand the test of time. Fascinating stuff. Uh, I guess you guys heard about the, uh, everybody's talking about the Kenyan Mall Massacre. I don't really have a lot to say about it other than, um, you know, that gut feeling. You know what I'm talking about. And I got it immediately when I heard about this. And that gut feeling I'm talking about, that same gut feeling I got, and I don't get it every, I don't get it for every, every event that happens. But boy, some of them I really do. I remember the, the James Holmes Batman thing happened. I immediately got that. I just knew immediately when I heard about it. It's like, yeah, this is some kind of operation. So as soon as I heard about this Kenyan Mall massacre thing, I said, yeah. I, I, I just, it was the 9-11 thing. It was just like a gut, a feeling in my gut, in the pit of my stomach. And I knew immediately. And I said, yeah, it won't be but a couple of days this will come out that uh, this is, was, was some kind of operation. And, and indeed, I think enough evidence now has come out. Probably even more will come out. Uh, I knew as soon as I heard they said some of these shooters were Americans, I was like, yeah, this is this is probably a uh, CIA, Mossad co-op. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like it was Mossad and, uh, and uh, CIA elite special teams. Harvard graduate claimed she was rescued by Americans after she saw a man set, sat, next to, sat next to her shot dead. An American woman who was trapped inside the Nairobi Mall as terrorists run amok claimed she was eventually rescued by an American security team. Now, what in the fuck was an American security team just happened to be doing there when this all popped up? You see what I'm talking about? I mean, that's, that's number one right there. 
And again, I didn't have, just like on 9-11, I did, as soon as I opened my eyes on 9-11 and, I saw, and my friend turned the TV on and I saw that second plane fly into the building, I mean, it was that feeling in my pit of my stomach again. I said, no, I know what this is. And here we go. And it's the same thing here. There just happened to be an America team, yeah. And then I heard this, and it, it, remember a few years ago, I can remember back in like 2008, 2009, uh, before it was really in the news that heavily, I can remember hearing about hearing talk about white al-Qaeda. And I used to talk about it on my show, and people used to laugh. You know, they thought I was making it up. They thought it was a joke, you know. White al-Qaeda. Uh, and it's really, it really, there's really something to it. And this is something they started spinning a while back that, you know, hey, Even your next-door neighbor, you know, may look like a sweet young white girl, but she could be working for al-Qaeda. Because now, regular, corn-fed-looking American men and women are leaving behind, renouncing their American beliefs and citizenship, and going to join up with al-Qaeda, to fight for al-Qaeda. And I remember when I first started talking about this, 2008, 2009, people laughed. They thought it was a joke. And, um... One of the uh, these supposed uh, white al-Qaeda is known as the White Widow. And uh, she was seen at the uh, mall massacre spraying bullets. Now, first, on the surface of this, you would think, oh, well, there, there it is. They'll perfectly, they'll blame this on, perfectly blame this on al-Qaeda. But that's not the issue here. The issue is we know beyond any shadow of a doubt these supposed white al-Qaeda are intelligence operatives that are actually steering the events and working in tandem with the intelligence community to not only stage bombings, terrorist attacks, but to also appear to be the heroes stopping the terrorist attacks or, 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 or hunting the terrorists. You see how they do this? It's such a game of cards. I mean, this is exactly how they do it. So they make us think they're keeping us safe from al-Qaeda, and here, here they are yet again. So for them to have an American security team there, and then all of a sudden white al-Qaeda is there too, that beyond any shadow of a doubt, folks, tells you this was a co-Mossad U.S. intelligence operation. It was done yet again to further their agendas, and to further prove the point that they're right. Mobile death squads to kill sick and elderly in their own homes leads to surge in suicide rates in the Netherlands. Around 3% of all deaths in the Netherlands are now by euthanasia. The country last year introduced mobile euthanasia units. In 2002, became the first country since Nazi Germany to legalize it. Boy, I tell you, the Netherlands seems like a fucked up place. Because you know, for the longest time, you, you went to, you know, the Netherlands, you went to Amsterdam to just get fucked up out of your gourd on pot and fucking lewds and shrooms and, you know, whatever else, anything goes. But over the past several years, they've, they've now, like, you know, they've basically put an end to all that. And they don't have any guns over there, or they do have guns. Do they have guns? Do they have guns or not have guns? I can't remember. Either way, they have a low crime rate. I don't think they have guns. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't remember for sure. I think I don't think they do. But they've got 
tons of people hooked on heroin over there. And, uh, you know, oh, well, can't do this, can't do drugs, can't have a gun. But, hey, what you can do, uh, we have a mobile kill van that will go around and fucking. uh, And this is why they want socialized medicine. That's the scary thing. Why do you think they want all your medical data and all your medical information to go in a database by law? Why do you think they want you to have to go to their doctors and be on government medical care and have all of your information go into their? Because, folks, they want to do it just like China does. Do you know what China does? China has the, that's where the mobile kill vans are. Oh, yeah. Mobile kill van. We take your organ. They literally, if, if like an, somebody in the aristocrat, uh, aristocracy of, of China needs an organ and a citizen has a match, huh, oh, it ain't even nothing but, ain't nothing but a G thing. They, they just send the fucking mobile kill van over there to their house promptly. They abduct the subject, put them in the mobile kill van, and uh, they drive around with this person in the back of this ambulance, extract whatever organs they need and whatever other parts they need, and uh, and then they go and throw the the corpse on uh, on the front porch step. Done business. They got what they need. They're done. They can li- legally, by law, come and round you up and harvest your organs at any given time in China. It's a fact. And it's not like it's much better here. I mean, if if, if you have ever put, I mean, I learned from when I was 15 years old from George Carlin. You know, I heard George Carlin talk about organ donor pro- uh, programs when I was like 14 or 15, right before I got my driver's license. I was like, you know what? I'm not putting fucking, he scared me shitless on that. You know, referencing, you know, these guys talking about these fucking guys who are like Mangala, you know. You think they're going to save you? Hell no, man. They're looking for parts. And he wasn't off by that at all. I mean, I've, I can't tell you any gruesome stories of, of people that who have still been alive, folks who they haven't saved because that person might have an organ they need, and they're sitting there chopping parts out of them while there's still fucking brain activity going on. Happens all the time in the United States. Unbelievable. More... Information coming out on the moon, proving what I've talked about for years, the moon being an, an artificial structure and being of some event that didn't coincide with the formation of the Earth. Is the moon younger than we thought? Scientists now believe it was born a few hundred million years later. Yeah, it was definitely pulled in from something else. I think it used to be a planet, and that all that's left of it is just that rock now. That's what I think. The moon just got a lot younger by a few hundred million years. Scientists claim that the moon is around 4.4 and 4.45 billion years old rather than the 4.56 billion years old previously thought. Despite being nearest the nearest body to the Earth, astronomers are still not sure precisely how or when it formed. One theory suggests the moon formed when a planet around the size of Mars collided with Earth around 4.56 billion years ago. The collision divided Earth into two unequal parts. The smaller one of these condensed into the moon. All right, we're going to leave it there for tonight for the news. We're going to get into the rest of where we left off last time, Chapter 2 of The Stairway of Heaven, The Stairway to Heaven, rather, by uh, Zachariah Sitchin. Again, please support our work at theglobalreality.com, folks. Uh, go there and hit up our uh, 
six-year anniversary fundraiser banner that we have up at the website. We have a $1,500 goal. We need to reach that goal uh, before it ends. We've got to uh, pay the operating costs of the month, get Museum TV launched. We're very close. We've got uh, several shows shot, and uh, we're working on some more right now. And we've got the live presentation up this Sunday. We've got uh, this film to finish. Any way and any support we can get right now, folks, help us out in our sixth year. Help us continue. We've made it this far. I've scratched and clawed, and uh, it's we've just come too far, and we are getting too far for this to collapse now. So, again, you know, if if this is just, you know, it's beyond me or you. This stuff's bigger than me or you. You know, even if you don't like me or you don't want to financially support me, I, I, I ask you and beg you to do it right now, even if you don't do it again ever, or you don't do it again until this time next year. But right now is when we need it the most. Because I've never been as close to the big breakthrough as I am now, and Volume 2 is going to smoke Volume 1. So this is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us. But every one of us has a chance to be a part of this and to know at the end of the day that we were a part of something that hurt the agenda of the powers that be. And that's what this is. And that's what you have a chance to be a part of here, folks. So please help us out. We need 1500 to finish the film. As well, any way you can help us out, the film, the radio show, whatever, we just, we, we just got to get back and rocking and rolling here, and please help us in any way you can. Let's continue Chapter 2, Zachariah Sitchin's Stairway to Heaven. Various Christian writings throughout the centuries also contain similar hints or references. As it turned out, there have in fact, circulated since the 2nd century B.C., several versions of a book of Enoch. When the manuscripts were studied in the 19th century, scholars concluded that there were basically two sources. The first identified as I. Enoch and called the Ethiopic Book of Enoch is an Ethiopic translation of a previous Greek translation of an original work in Hebrew or Aramaic. The other identified as to Enoch is a Slavonic translation from an original written in Greek whose full title was The Book of the Secrets of Enoch. Now, wait a minute. These are two separate books. Sounds like Sitchin's trying to combine them both into one book. These are two separate books. Scholars who have studied these versions do not rule out the possibility that both one Enoch and two Enoch stem from a much earlier work. Yes, they do stem from a much earlier work, a pre-flood, pre-diluvial work. And that there indeed could have existed in antiquity a book of Enoch, the Apocrypha and Pseudo-Diagrapha of the Old Testament, which R.H. Charles began to publish in 1913, is still the major English translation of the book of Enoch and the other early writings which were excluded from the canonized Old and New Testaments. Written in the first person of the Book of Enoch, the Book of the Secrets of Enoch starts with an exact place and time. On the first day of the first month of the 365th year, I was alone in my house, and I rested on my bed and slept. And there appeared to me two men, very tall, such as I have never seen on earth. There you go, giants. 
And again, this is pre-flood giants. And their faces shone like the sun, and their eyes were like burning lamps, and fire came forth from their lips. Their dress had the appearance of feathers. Their feet were purple. This is where it sounds like Quetzalcoatl descriptions. Their wings were brighter than gold, their hands whiter than snow. They stood at the head of my bed and called me by my name. Because he was asleep when these strangers arrived, Enoch adds for the record that by then he was no longer sleeping. I saw clearly these men standing in front of me, he states. He made obeisance to them and was overtaken by fear, but the two reassured him. Be of good cheer, Enoch, be not afraid. The everlasting God hath sent us to thee, and lo, today thou shalt ascend with us into heaven. They then told Enoch to wake up his family and servants and order them not to seek him, till the Lord bring thee back to them. This Enoch did, using the opportunity to instruct his sons in the ways of righteousness. Then the time came to depart. It came to pass when I had spoken to my son, these men summoned me, and took me on their wings and placed me on the clouds, and lo, the clouds moved. Going higher, I saw the air, and going still higher, I saw the ether. And they placed me in the first heaven, and they showed me a very great sea, greater than the earthly sea. Ascending thus unto the heavens upon clouds that move, Enoch was transported from the first heaven, where two hundred angels ruled the stars to the second gloomy heaven, then to the third heaven. There he was shown a garden with a goodliness of its appearance, beautiful and fragrant, trees and fruits. In the midst therein lies the tree of life, in that place on which the God rests when he comes into paradise. Stunned by the tree's magnificence, Enoch manages to describe the tree of life in the following words. It is more beautiful than any created thing. On all sides in appearance, it is like gold and crimson, transparent as fire. From its root go four streams which pour honey, milk, oil, and wine. They go down from this heavenly paradise to the paradise of Eden, making a revolution around earth. The third heaven and its tree of life are guarded by 300 very glorious angels. It is in this third heaven that the place of the righteous and the terrible place where the wicked are tortured are situated. <laughs> Wait, hold up a second here. That just seems a little odd to me. I, you know, I, number one, I've never bought into the idea of this torturous God or a God who would say, oh, well, you know, I mean, this whole idea that the the place, okay, you know, the good people, That's that, that just that sounds weird to me. What, up in heaven they have a corral over here for the good people and situated right next to it is the corral for the bad people? Make sure you stay a good person because otherwise you'll be over in the bad corral. That just, uh, I don't know, something about that smells like bullshit to me. Uh, it also blows holes in the whole devil, you know, versus God dichotomy, doesn't it? Because here, Enoch's saying, you know, they're basically telling you there's no difference between God and the devil. You know, God can be God and God can be the devil, too, essentially. So, you know, so he's basically saying, fucking cutting out the middleman. Now, fuck that. If you're wicked, you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. No, don't worry. You're not going to go to hell. 
No, it's no problem. Do whatever you want. Be as wicked as you want. You're not going to go to hell. There's no hell. You're going to go to heaven. But you're going to be right next to the motherfuckers that were good. You're going to see them partying, smoking weed, and having sex with bitches. And, uh, you know, you're going to be getting a fucking corn cob stuck up your ass with Hitler. That's even more wicked. Jesus Christ. I mean, sounds like God's more sadistic than than fucking Satan is, doesn't it? That's some that's a sick fucker right there. God damn. No pun intended or pun intended, however you want to see it. Uh that's a woo. That God must be a war, more wicked fucker than I I I uh, gave him credit for. Jeez, Louise. That's a sick fuck right there. Oh yeah, bitch. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. Nah, fool. You ain't going to hell. Hell would be underground and be you know, separated from everybody else. No, 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 no. Hell is getting to see how good the righteous actually do have it. We're going to make you sit right next to the righteous. And you're going to be over here with the wicked getting tortured for all eternity. I mean, damn, it's God. To, and, and that's, again, that's how we know what we're, what we're talking about here. We have, I think we have the, you know, the all, the creator versus what we call God. I mean, we have a very skewed perception of this because, our whole culture was based on us worshiping people that were basically people like us as gods. So we've been confused with the idea of what God is or the, the creator, the, you know, uh, the life force of the universe. I don't think that the life force of the universe that exists in everything and in, in every being in, in all places I don't think that's where Enoch went. I think old Enoch was tricked. I mean, I think this guy went up somewhere with some extraterrestrial manipulators that manipulate our reality through soul enslavement by being able to steer souls after death. See, they control all the information about what happens with the soul's journey after death. They control this information so they can steer the souls back down to incarnate back in on earth again in the realm they control endlessly. And it's very interesting that that's what the Freemasons are obsessed with. And people said for years the Freemasons are controlled by extraterrestrials. I think what Enoch, what he went up to and was told to come back down and tell people, he was told he was told that he was going into heaven and he was going up to you know, with the Heavenly Father. Oh, no, he was deceived. He was going up with the extraterrestrial manipulators of our matrix reality. That's why all the stuff they showed him had a connection to Earth. Because he was seeing the connection to the, uh, well, what, what did it describe? These, um, that came out of the tree. From its root go four streams, which pour honey, milk, and oil, and wine, and they go down from this heavenly paradise to the paradise of Eden, making a revolution around earth. The third heaven and its tree of life are guarded by 300 very glorious angels. See, getting the idea that the angels are actually extraterrestrials as well, not just these heavenly spirits as we've been told they are. So see, wherever he is, there's a distinct connection that there's energy and life and whatever else pouring from this dimension and this realm down into the earthly realm. I don't think this is 
the heaven we think it is. This to me sounds like a deceit. This to me sounds like the the place where the manipulators of our reality perform their duties. And so to make sure nobody ever found that out, what did they do? They sent their patriarch Enoch up there, showed him all this, but then gave him the false perception, the wrong perception of what it is. Then he went back down and told what he had saw. And then we have the basis for everything we think we know about, quote unquote, heaven and hell and everything else from that. Very, very fascinating. Going further up to the fourth heaven, Enoch could see the luminaries and various wondrous creatures and the host of the Lord. In the fifth heaven, he saw many hosts. In the sixth, bands of angels who study the revolutions of the stars. What do angels have a need to study the revolution of the stars? See what I'm saying? Listen to the descriptions of this, and don't think of these as this as being heaven and white puffy clouds and angels with, you know, guys with halos and wings flying around. Think of this as some area where sophisticated extraterrestrials are existing and manipulating reality. Then it starts to, I think, really show you the truth of it. Then he reached the seventh heaven where the greatest angels hurried about and where he saw the Lord from afar sitting on his throne. The two winged men and their moving cloud placed Enoch at the limits of the seventh heaven and left, whereupon the Lord sent the archangel Gabriel to fetch Enoch into his presence. For 33 days, you see what this is? I mean, this this whole, fuck, this whole fucking Enoch thing is encoded with Masonic symbology as well, even though it predates Freemasonry by thousands of years. For 33 days, Enoch was instructed in all the wisdom and all the events of the past and future. N- not a coincidence. 33 days, hello. Then he was returned to earth by an awful angel who had a very cold appearance. An awful angel, huh? In total, he was absent from earth 60 days, but his return to earth was only so that he might instruct his sons in the laws and commandments. And 30 days later, he was taken up again into the heavens, this time for good. Written both as a personal testament and as a historic review, the Ethiopic Book of Enoch, whose earliest title was probably The Words of Enoch, describes his journeys to heaven as well as to the four corners of the earth. As he traveled north toward the north ends of earth, he saw there a great and glorious device. The nature of which is not described, huh? He traveled to the north end of the earth. Now, I'd have to go look on a map. Maybe I'll do this after the show. If one were to travel toward the north ends of the earth, what great and glorious device would you see there? Because the only one I could think of that you would see if you traveled toward the north ends of the earth today would be the harp array. That's kind of funny. What great, glorious device? I mean, I would imagine the rock wall in the time of Enoch, it's pre-flood, if you saw from the sky, would have looked like a device. The nature of which is not described. That's interesting. He saw a device on the ground, but they don't describe the nature of it. 
And he saw there, as well as at the western ends of the earth, three portals of heaven open in the heaven. Again, a great and glorious device on the ground, and then he sees portals opening up. You see, you see what's going on here? This is the description of the pre-flood extraterrestrials and their technology as it existed on earth. So a great and glorious device on the ground. And then he sees portals, and it's been speculated that that's something the rock wall could be doing with all its frequencies and, and all this stuff. And piezoelectrical energy is producing something that opens up a portal or a stargate. In each place through which hail, hail and snow, cold, and thence, hence I went to the south ends of the earth, and through the portals of heaven there blow in the dew and rain, and thence he went to see the eastern portals through which the stars of heaven pass and run their course. But the principal mysteries and secrets of the past and the future were shown to Enoch as he went to the middle of the earth, and inner earth, middle of the, the inside of the earth, and to the east and to the west thereof. The middle of the earth was the site of the future holy temple in Jerusalem. Oh, okay. Middle East. And his journey east, Enoch reached the tree of knowledge, and going west, he was shown the tree of life. On his eastward journey, Enoch passed mountains and deserts, saw water courses flowing from mountain peaks covered by snow, clouds and snow and ice, and trees of diverse fragrance and balsams. Going farther and farther east, he found himself back over mountains bordering the Aetherian Sea, the Sea of Arabia and the Red Sea. Continuing, he passed by Zotiel, the angel guarding the entrance to paradise, and he came unto the Garden of Righteousness. There he saw among the many wonderful trees the tree of knowledge. It was high, as high as a fir. Its leaves were as of the carob, and its fruit like the clusters of a vine. And the angel who was with him confirmed that indeed it was the very tree whose fruit Adam and Eve had eaten before they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. On his journey west, Enoch arrived at a mountain range of fire which burnt day and night. Beyond it, he reached a place encircled by six mountains separated by a deep, rough ravine. A seventh mountain rose in their midst, resembling the seat of a throne, and fragrant trees encircled the throne. And amongst them was a tree such as I had never smelt, and its fruit resembles the dates of a palm. The angel who accompanied him explained that the middle mountain was the throne on which the Holy Great One, the Lord of glory, the eternal King, will sit when he shall come to visit earth. You know, see, someone coming to visit earth. Again, you know, we, all this stuff where we've been told that, that, that this is spirits and angels and all this stuff, I think all of this, is it, it's been extraterrestrials all along. But I don't think they've been little green men and little gray fuckers like we think. I think they've been more like people just like us. And as to the tree whose fruits were, as with the date palms, he said, as for this fragrant tree, no mortal is permitted to touch it to the great judgment. Its fruit shall be for food for the elect. Its fragrance shall be in their bones, and they shall live a long life on the earth. Well, there you go. there's that immortality thing again. It was during these journeys that Enoch saw in those days how long cords were given to those angels. And they took to themselves wings, and they went towards the north. And when Enoch asked what all this was about, the angel who guided him said, They have gone off to measure, 
They shall bring the measures of the righteous to the righteous and the ropes of the righteous to the righteous. All these measures shall reveal the secrets of the earth. Having visited all the secret places on earth, Enoch's time had come to take the journey to heaven. And like others after him, he was taken to a mountain whose summit reached to heaven and to a land of darkness. And they, the angels, took me to a place in which those who were there were like flaming fire. And when they wished and they appeared as men, they brought me to a place of darkness and to a mountain to the point of whose summit reached to heaven. And I saw the chambers of the luminaries and the treasures of the stars and of the thunder in the great depths where were a fiery bow and arrow and their quiver and a fiery sword and all the lightnings. Whereas at such a crucial stage, immortality slipped out of Alexander's hands because he had searched for it contrary to his proclaimed destiny, Enoch, as the pharaohs after him, was proceeding with divine blessing. Thus, at this crucial moment, he was deemed worthy of proceeding, so the angels took him to the waters of life. Continuing, he arrived at the house of fire. And I went in till I drew nigh to a wall which was built of crystals and surrounded by tongues of fire, and it began to affrighten me. Now, remember, this is all pre-flood. So any of this could be at any point talking about the rock wall or there's other stuff like the rock wall we don't know about. Now, that's very interesting. He came across a house of fire. Well, if you came across the rock wall from a distance when it was built, when it was built up and the sun was shining on it, with all those crystals, I mean, yeah, it would have looked like it was in the, in the hot summer sun. That thing would have, you would have seen it from miles away. It would have all the crystals in it. I mean, you can go to the little rock wall stones they have at the old courthouse in downtown Rockwall and look at how it just sparkles and shines in the sun like you wouldn't believe. And that's what struck me about it when I was seeing it. Like, man, could you imagine a big structure of this and the way it would look if the sun hit it? Of course it would look like a house on fire. So Enoch went to a place called the House of Fire, which is built of crystals. That's interesting. Because that's the main thing I always, you know, tell people about the rock wall. It's not a rock wall. It's a crystal wall. And we really don't have any precedent for using crystal as building material. And I can't say I found another reference to this in anything else. And for this to be, again, pre-flood references to this happening again that's when the of course when the rock wall existed i mean that's just unbelievable to me enoch went into a house built of crystals wow i've never heard that and i went into the tongues of fire and drew nigh to a large house which was built of crystals and the walls of the house were like a tes <coughs> excuse me and the walls of the house were like a tessellated floor of crystals. And its groundwork was of crystal, and its ceiling was like the path of the stars and the lightnings, and between them were fiery cherubim, and their heaven was a water. Rock wall being right near the water. What? Let me look this word up real quick. Tessellated. to decorate a floor with mosaics. They found that, I, I talk about in Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 1, they found that 
tile floor, an ancient tile floor that's estimated to be somewhere in the 200,000 to 400,000 year range, right in the same range as the coin found in the Illinois Wells, right in the same range as when the rock wall was supposedly built between uh, 200 and 400,000 years ago. And again, that matches exactly with the Sumerian king list and this 432,000-year pre-flood time cycle in which eight cities were ruled over by the Anunnaki gods that started being constructed right around 200,000 years ago. And the coin, which matches hieroglyphs found on the Sander Stone in Rockwall, dates to 220,000 years. So when Enoch went in this building, he saw a tessellated floor of crystals. The house was built of crystals, a large house. The walls of the house were a tessellated floor of crystals, meaning mosaic of crystals, and its groundwork was of crystal. Its ceiling was like a path of stars. I mean, unbelievable. I think this could be, this could be Enoch talking about being in the fucking rock wall here, folks. Again, Enoch, pre-diluvial patriarch, pre-flood. This is unbelievable stuff. A flaming fi fire surrounded the walls, and its portals blazed with fire. Piezoelectrical energy. It looked like the, it was fire because there were, there were, somebody was producing frequencies that were causing this thing to produce electricity. Of course it looked like it was on fire. That's why there's little rooms in the rock wall. That's, geez, Louise, the whole thing resonates, and then you walk through a little door to go through a portal. That's probably what Chaco Canyon was, too, because the building style is very similar to rock wall. And there's these strange doors that connect to each other, and they're all small, like a child door. No, no doors there at Chaco Canyon whatsoever that are adult size. Not a one. Is that what the fucking rock wall is? The whole thing resonates, the whole structure resonates, and the portal is, is the building itself. They were probably coming and going through there, probably still are coming and going through there. That's probably what they've been trying to keep. Jesus Christ, the motherfucker's an intergalactic portal, isn't it? That's why there's so many goddamn UFO sightings. That's why me and my buddy, when we were 16 years old, chased a UFO in his truck from Greenville, Texas, all the way to Rockwall, and right when, I mean, we saw it, dude. We saw this UFO. We were coming from a, from a, a McDonald's or somewhere. I can't remember. We were coming from a fast food joint somewhere, and we saw this fucking thing flying around the sky, and it was hauling ass and was hauling fucking towards Rockwall. So we got in his truck. My buddy was doing 100, man. He was fucking just hammered down, and this thing was hauling ass. And we saw it. And right when it got to the I-30 bridge, right at the spot where we had the missing time event, this thing shoots up, back up to the, uh, you know, it shoots right to left and zooms straight up into the sky as fast as you can see, and it's just gone. And this thing looked, when we were chasing it, we chased it for a good, you know, however long it takes to drive from Greenville to Rockwall, probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes. I mean, not that long going 100, maybe 15, 20 minutes, but... Uh, I mean, we, we could see this thing. It was not a plane. It had weird lights and weird colors. It was shaped strange. We saw it at night. It was, it, we, we went all the way to the, and I never could understand that. Well, that's what it was. It got to the portal point and fucking went right through it. This is unbelievable. This is a huge revelation for me. 
A flaming fire surrounded the walls, and its portals blazed with fire. And I entered into that house, and it was hot as fire and cold as ice. And I beheld a vision. Behold, there was a second house, greater than the former. And the entire portal stood open before me, and it was built of flames of fire. And I looked therein, and I saw a lofty throne. Its appearance was as crystal. So they had a, see, obviously these gods who are they are very interesting. They they they're very obsessed with working with crystal, aren't they? This god had a a throne made out of different types of crystals, and the wheels thereof as the shining sun. And there was the appearance of cherubim, and from underneath the throne came streams of flaming fire, so that I could not look thereon. Arriving at the river of fire, Enoch was taken aloft. He could see the whole of the earth, the mouths of all the rivers of earth, and the cornerstones of earth, and the winds of earth carrying the clouds. Rising higher, he was where the winds stretch the vaults of heaven and have their station between heaven and earth. I saw the winds of heaven which turn and bring the circumference of the sun and all the stars. Following the path of the angels, he reached a point in the firmament of heaven above the asteroid belt where he could see the end of earth. From there, he could view the expanse of the heavens, and he could see seven stars like great shining mountains, seven mountains of magnificent stones. From wherever he was viewing these celestial bodies, three were toward the east, where there was the region of heavenly fire. There, Enoch saw rising and falling columns of fire, eruptions of fire which were beyond measure alike toward the width and toward the depth. On the other side, three celestial bodies were toward the south. There Enoch saw an abyss, a place which had no firmament of the heaven above and firmly no earth below, and it was a void and awesome place. Sounds like a black hole, or one of my ex-girlfriend's vaginas, one or the other. Uh, could have been either, I think. Uh, where he asked the angel who was carrying him aloft for an explanation, he replied, There the heavens were completed. It is the end of heaven and earth. It is a prison of the stars and the host of heaven. The middle star reached to heaven like the throne of God, having the appearance of alabaster, and the summit of the throne as, a, as of a sapphire. The star was like a flaming fire. Journeying in, on the, in the heavens, Enoch said, I proceeded to where things were chaotic, and I saw there something horrible. What he saw was stars of the heavens bound together. And the angel explained to him, These are of the number of stars of heaven which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and are bound here till 10,000 years are consummated. Concluding his report of the first journey to heaven, Enoch said, And I, Enoch, alone saw the vision, the ends of all things, and no man shall see as I have seen. After being taught at the heavenly abode all manners of wisdom, he was returned to earth to impart teachings to other men for an unspecified length of time. Enoch was hidden, and no one of the children of men knew where he was hidden, and where he abode, and what had become of him. But when the deluge neared, he wrote down his teachings and advised his great-grandson Noah to be righteous and worthy of salvation. After that, Enoch was once again raised aloft, among those who dwell on earth, he was raised aloft on the chariot of the spirits, and his name vanished among them. So that's the end of chapter 2. We'll get into chapter 3 next time. TheGlobalReality.com is my website. We need about 55 bucks in here ASAP to get the uh, 
stream turned back on. We can have uh, be broadcasting again until then. We're going to do the show this way, but uh, we also have to have a minimum of $600 no later than Monday to pay our operating costs. We need as much of that as we can get in here this week and whatever else. We only have a couple of days left on our fundraiser. It's only got, uh, let me see, it's only got 70 hours, folks, so we really need to get as much of that $1,500 goal as we can in here in the next 70 hours, bottom line. If not all of it, we need most of it. So please help us out, thegoldworkality.com. My name's Josh Reeves. I love each and every one of you. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. Take care.